I called up some smart feminist activist folks to talk about money feelings. These are huge questions around how to live in the world. How do I, how do we participate in our economy in the best, most ethical way? There's no answer to those questions. You know, there's never, there's never a having arrived a landing point where you're suddenly pure and in right relation to like capitalism. You know, there is no justice in capitalism. That's the whole thing. Ah, crap. That wisdom comes from Rowan Boucher. Oh, well, hi. Um, my name's Rowan Boucher. I live in Carborough, North Carolina. And I mean, honestly, my identity right now is so consumed by being a parent of two toddlers. But I also am a social justice educator and consultant. I work with a worker-owned co-op called AORDA, which stands for Anti-Oppression Resource and Training Alliance. And I'm an artist. In 2008, Rowan was thinking a lot about money and identity and activism and co-founded this group called Enough with lawyer and transgender activist Dean Spade. It wasn't really a group. Um, it was a website. It still is a website, um, but it uh, it looks terrible now because something happened to the WordPress platform that we were on. Um, but all of the writing still exists online. Oh, yeah. Not a group. An online journal that publishes essays about the topic that people feel really awkward about discussing money. My Myself and Dean Spade, who is the brilliant human being that I, I created enough with, we wanted to talk about money and how we use it in our lives and in our movements. And, and we wanted to have that conversation with, with people that had anti-capitalist politics. Because capitalism isn't just an economic system, right? It's cultural. It gets into our heads and hearts and it, it teaches us all these things like scarcity and individualism. It has all these myths and messages that that affect us even when we know they aren't true. I asked Roan, what are some of the ways that capitalism affects the way we see the world that take us some time to recognize? Like, what are some of the invisible impacts of capitalism on our brains? Yeah, I mean, I think that individualism is a huge part of it. Um, you know, it teaches us to like look out for ourselves and not do things like talk about like, how much money do you make? How much money do you need? Are you in debt? Are you struggling? Like, can I help you? And, you know, I think that happens a lot more in like poor and low income communities um, than it does in middle class and wealthy communities for, you know, obvious reasons. But one of the things that, you know, Dean and I were thinking about when we started Enough was that it teaches us to not have these conversations. Partly, you know, sometimes it's coming from shame, whether that's shame about being in poverty or shame about having wealth. And sometimes it's coming from just this really intense, like, social conditioning to, to not talk about these things. It's those pervasive myths of capitalism where, like, even though you know the meritocracy is fake and, and people don't get to pull themselves up by their bootstraps, it still affects people, like, psychically on so many levels. So speaking of capitalism, Roan grew up as someone who benefited a lot from that system. He's really frank about that. So I grew up a rich kid, um, you know, the kind of rich that other rich people would call upper middle class, but only because being rich skews your perspective about those things. You know, I went to private school, for middle school and high school, I went to summer camp. Um, my dad started making a lot of money around the time that I was born through a job in the software industry that he 
came into through, you know, like one part luck, two parts hard work and like a hundred parts privilege and nepotism. When Rowan was in his 20s, he decided to do something pretty radical for a young person with money to give it away to fund social justice work. I mean, to me, it it felt like a very simple choice. Um, I learned that I had a trust fund when I was about 18 um, and I didn't want it, which, you know, in itself is a function of of having grown up with wealth and class privilege, right? Um, I didn't have a feeling of scarcity. I wasn't like, oh, thank God I have that money that I can use for my future. And I didn't get access to it until I was 25. Um, And by then I had had a lot of time to think about it. Um, And I had gotten involved in resource generation. And I, I really came to understand that philanthropy is like this whole thing. I mean, I, there's a thing called social justice philanthropy or social change philanthropy, which is like kind of real and kind of not real. Um, I knew I wanted to give away at least half of it. It was like $400,000 in total. And I had a lot of conversations with my dad about it where I was like, don't freak out. I'm giving this away. And he was like, you don't know what you're doing, but that's your choice. You know, and it was a weird experience. It was a really weird experience. And it was uncomfortable for me just because like, you know, the way that people treat donors who give, you know, a few thousand dollars is like that, that felt uncomfortable to me. You know, I wanted to be seen as like a fellow organizer and a fellow person, like a peer in the movement. Um, and so, but, but that, but I also was very conscious of the fact that like, that was just my shit that I had to deal with. Um, and I tried to be really communicative and yeah. And it was, it never felt like you know, I think people want to talk about like giving away that much money because it seems like a big deal. But for me, like I didn't, it did never felt like my money. Um, it felt like I was very clear that it was not fair for me to have that. Um, and it didn't feel like a sacrifice in any way to, to give it away because of, you know, I can't like give away my safety net. You know, you can't give away the things that come from having class privilege even as you can give away money, which is important. But I knew that I was never going to be, I was not likely to be in a position of being like destitute. You know, I think there's this like, I was interviewed once for the New York Times during this time um, for some article in like the, you know, life and style section about like these rich kids that are just giving away all of their money. And it ended up being really like, almost like a parody of itself, you know, because there was all of this like panic about like these rich kids are just going to end up like poor and destitute. And what are they thinking? And they're just young and naive. And, and I just knew that that wasn't me, like that I wasn't at any significant risk of that just because of my class position um, and my background. So yeah, it was, it was an easy choice to make. Roan started working with a group called Resource Generation, which organizes young people with wealth to work toward transforming our society to have a more equitable distribution of wealth, land, and power. I I had all of these people in my community coming to me to talk about, you know, their secret trust funds. Um, And it was really frustrating um, on some level because I felt like I wish we could just talk about this, like, collectively. You know, there's there's this lie in, in lefty communities that rich people are not among us. And, you know, it does, it does so much damage because first, you know, you have people lying and, and obfuscating and, um, 
you know, just hiding the fact that they have money um, because they're ashamed. And, you know, when instead they could be funding movements and giving money to other people in their communities who need it. You know, when we started Enough, like Dean was coming from from a really different place. He grew up poor and was suddenly gaining access to, to more money through his job. Um, I remember he wrote this post called The Dirty Details of My New Salary, where he talked about you know, suddenly getting paid like three or four times what he'd ever made before. And it was just this beautifully honest and thoughtful piece of writing about the complexities of that, you know, just everything from like class trauma and survivor's guilt to to all of the many, many ethical contradictions of ever doing anything with money, you know, like what does it mean to to pay off debt when that means sending money to evil corporations? What does it mean to save for retirement, you know, when there are people close to us in poverty now, plus, you know, like investments are evil. What does it mean to like give to people close to us versus people in greater need who, who we don't know personally? What does it mean to buy a house when all land is stolen land, you know? And, and, and that post was, I think the post that got the most responses ever. And we, we found out that like a lot of people wanted to talk about those things, but didn't always know how to. And when I spent a lot of time talking to other like young lefty rich people about being rich, everyone was grappling with those questions and everyone wanted to know like, what is enough? How much money is okay to have? How can I restore some balance of fairness where I'm okay? Um, and there's really no metric for determining that. I mean, obviously if you have millions of dollars, you should really give that away. Nobody should have that much money. But when you're talking about like, how do I have money? How do I use money? How do I engage with those millions of contradictions of my ethics that functioning in capitalism forces me into, you know, those are the questions that everyone has to grapple with personally and, and be right with themselves about personally. Um, because what, what we're really talking about is, is generations upon generations of stolen land and labor and resources and lives and, you know, a, a system that is actively murderous and exploitative and, and inhumane and, you know, that's the real shit that people with wealth and all white people have to deal with and do our work around. And I think there are a lot of situations where, you know, that kind of hyper personal individual focus on like, how can I be right and pure and good can, can become a distraction, like a way to avoid the deeper issues. Um, it's a very individualist focus because, you know, everyone should have housing and healthcare and food and education and reproductive justice and you know all of those basic rights that our society currently reserves for wealthy people I hate the capitalist system and I'll tell you the reason why it has caused me so much suffering and my dearest friends to die well i know thanks roan for laying down some real talk about capitalism you can read the archives of enough at their yes rather old school website at enoughenough.org next up writer ashley c ford on what money feelings stick with you from growing up poor my husband has tb Brought on by hard work and low wages and never...